into the contest. It's Wednesday, March 30. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. And Shane, oh, no great surprise that Nick Curios has had a petulant blow-up again. But it's uh, it's come with a loss because he was doing so well. He, yeah, he did, mate. I just gave him a massive rap and uh, a match he played two two matches ago and I thought it was one of his best matches ever played. Well, he's had another meltdown, hasn't he, old Nick? And um, it was against Yannick Sinner and uh, Sinner by name. And, well, Nick Curry is a Sinner by nature here, losing uh, 7-6, 6-3 and just... Just lost his shit again. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's certainly a uh, a rocky road, isn't he? He's a he's a pendulum swinger. <laughs> he goes from very yeah. good to very bad very quickly. But uh, some good signs on the tennis court. I don't know if he'll ever ever get that uh, off court stuff under control. That's just the nature of the beast. We got a huge show today. Shane Warns Memorial Service. It's going to be pretty much a party of his life tonight, and it'll have an audience well over the billion mark. And uh, Will Smith, he stole the moment for Serena. We're going to talk about that. And Mitch Barnett, well, he can find something else to do for six weeks because he's got a long suspension. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Well, this is, is quite a celebration of a young life. Uh, you knew him well, Shane Warne, uh, just 52. It still shocks us when we wake up in the morning to think that he's not here. But uh, tonight at the MCG, of course, they'll rename the stand the SK Warne stand, and uh, it'll be a celebration of his life. Also at the SCG, um, there'll be a service there in conjunction. Yeah, it'll be live streamed from the SCG. I'll be out there tonight uh, with a lot of my ex-New South Wales and Australian um, teammates uh, to, I suppose, to want to warn him and, and be there. And look, he, he was a guy that he changed the game of cricket. He made it cool again. <laughs> I think cricket in the 80s in Australia, was, uh, it, was it got a bit nerdy and, uh, and Warney turned that around. He, made, he became the rock star of cricket. He made it cool for a lot of us um, and he put cricket on a, on a world stage and that'll be reflected tonight when it goes, you know, a, about a billion people will, will tune into this and it just proves what a sensation he was both on and off the field. You may even go into the billions, you know, because yeah. when you think of the subcontinent, and I, and I reflect back on Sonny Gavaska's comments in the week after Shane Warne died, and he was asked, oh, was he the best spinner? And he gave a fairly, uh, I don't know, it was it was not a very thoughtful answer uh, mm. that uh, recent, after such a tragedy, that, that, you know, it was just days afterwards. But it wasn't everyone else around the world that made him change his mind. It was the Indian public. They, love, they loved Shane Warne, and so did every other little corner of the cricketing world. So I would presume from the West Indies to Cape Town to Mumbai to Lahore, there'll be TV yeah. sets all over the place on watching a, um, a, a memory of the greatest leg spinner of all time. Yeah, I totally agree, Tim. And uh, I think particularly um, the reason he resonated resonated in, in the subcontinent because they generally uh, pride themselves on being the best spinners around the world and, and, and Warney took that mantle and he turned 
uh, a very difficult art form into an art itself. And uh, yeah, he, he remembered for a lot. He's he's obviously remembered for a lot of misdemeanors, but I think tonight they'll be talking about all the good stuff and uh, and what he did and how much of an impression he made on a lot of young boys and girls around the world. Oh, he was a rock star. Came in in 1991, got smacked around at the SCG by Ravi Shastri and a young Sachin Tendulkar. Mm. It wasn't long before he turned it all around the ball of the century at Old Trafford against Mike Gadding. And then he just had the rest of the cricketing world in a spin for the next 15 years. Uh, Daryl Cullinan, if he ever sees a picture of Shane Warne these days, I'm sure he shakes because uh, he was a magician and did so much for the game of cricket. So that's all on tonight. Now, you mentioned uh, the Australian cricket team and the subcontinent all in the same breath and of course we do have our one day team over there and Ashton Agar has tested positive to COVID the the gift that just keeps giving yeah you got Ashton Agar now uh, positive with COVID Joss Inglis uh, also the team physio which is a real issue when you're physio and you can't get any um, if you've got a slight strain the physio can't work on you now so Matt Renshaw has been rushed over Australia played last night um, scored 7 for 313 Travis Head Got a chance to open the batting due to Inglis being out and uh, and scored 102. Uh, And then Zampa did wonders with the ball, taking four for 38 off 10 overs to bowl Pakistan out for 225. So Australia decimated um, by injuries and and players being rested, um, but still come up with the goods in the first one day. And that's the point, isn't it? It, it, It's got Mm. this depth at the moment, the Australian cricket setup, which uh, you take a player out, you put a player in, and they do just as good a job. Well, you remember Scott Boland was the the revelation of the Ashes Tour, and he didn't play a test against Pakistan. Yeah, definitely, mate. And uh, it it just goes to show that, um, as you said, we particularly in the bowling ranks, we have have a lot of good bowlers. But uh, look, Zampa is a guy who missed out. He left the IPL early when COVID started, and he wasn't Mm. re-signed this year. But he just goes to show he's a world-class spinner. To take four for 38, hasn't bowled for a while, um, off 10 overs in the first one day against Pakistan in Pakistan is a huge effort. Yeah, particularly in those modified uh, versions of the game, isn't he? He's really becoming an absolute white ball specialist, Adam Zampa. Now, Justin Langer, uh, I had discussions with a few people, a few English people, prominent people, including Ian Botham, who who quite publicly said that they'd love to have Justin Langer as coach of the English cricket team. Well, it is a bit of a Churchill moment. You need a Churchill leader because they've had problems, the English cricket team, and uh, Joe Root looks like he's out the door. So they need someone probably like a Justin Langer who's going to come in with the rule book and, and sort of belt them into shape metaphorically. Well, nothing's ever 100%, Tim, but this is as close as it'll get to 100%. Will Justin Langer coach the England cricket team? And I think he will. Um, him coming out publicly now and saying that he's interested in the job, uh, he will get this job. Andrew Strauss, the former England captain, um, opening batsman and teammate to Langer at Middlesex, is the primary uh, selector of who will be the next coach of England. Um, and he's a huge rap on Justin Langer. So Justin Langer, mark my words, will be the next England coach. Okay, well, we'll write that in. Your predictions recently have been pretty yep. good. Tom Brady made a comeback in a few weeks. So uh, the Shane Lee crystal ball, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we'll keep a close eye on that. Now, we mentioned earlier about Nick Kyrgios having the loss and the blow-up. Now, uh, something that just won't go away is this whole idea of um, pay equality and matches being the same length in men's and women's. Yeah, well, uh, Sissipas, Stefanos Sissipas has come out and said, I don't know whether it was tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's hard to understand sometimes when you read an article, but uh, sort of saying that women should be playing, if they want equal pay, they should be playing five sets in tennis. And I think that's just a silly comment. I think um, history tells us that 
that the women's game's been played over three sets and the men's over five. And if you start changing um, that format, it sort of doesn't reflect well on history and, and players have come before them. He's sort of saying that if it was, if men's were only three sets, um, he would have won a numerous championships already by now, as would have um, Alex Zarev. But it is what it is, mate. It's um, <laughs> men's men's tennis is five sets and women's is three. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more than just the amount of games they play. It, it's about ticket sales and it's about revenue from TV that determine why there is equal pay. And I think Sister Pass is missing the point quite um, by quite a long way here. The Academy Awards slipped into the world of sport the other night when Will Smith uh, got up on stage and slapped Chris Rock against uh, on the face and uh, he's apologised to everyone bar the ushers, Will Smith. But what, what he did in that moment, because he got the Academy Award later for playing Richard Williams, the father of Serena and Venus, and uh, by that whole shit fight, if we can call it that, um, he <laughs> basically stole the moment from Serena and Vil- Venus Williams, didn't he? Well, I'll tell you why he didn't win the, the Oscar for when he, when he uh, portrayed Muhammad Ali, because that was a terrible slap or whatever punch or whatever he tried to do on Chris Rock. So you can see why he didn't get the Oscar for that. But uh, yeah, look, um, it's just absurd, wasn't it? Um, I don't think he should be hitting anyone in, in, in any format, no matter what they say. I think he would have been much more better off to get up and, and just sort of uh, address it once he won the Oscar. Um, and just sort of say, don't talk about my wife like that, please. And uh, he would have got a lot, of, lot more support. But he chose to do what he did. But, uh, yeah, it did, definitely took a bit of limelight away from the, um, the Williams sisters uh, in that regard. Yeah, and their story yeah, absolutely uh, caught the attention of the world, that's for sure. All right, stay with us because there's a whole lot more. We've got all the footy, the AFL, the NRL and some golfing news. Now, you love your AFL, Shane. You're a Sydney Swans fan. And what a moment it was when Buddy kicked that goal the other day. But across town, uh, GWS, they're banking on um, a guy with enormous ability but has had some issues the last couple of years, Stephen Canelio. It's, it's a $7 million mega deal, as we know. But a lot of people are saying that this has really hurt the Giants. Well, it's a big chunk out of their salary cap, $7 million over seven years. He's... The first two years, uh, well, his last two seasons have been pretty poor. He, he came to GWS with huge expectations and a bunch of talent, um, but injuries and, and bad form got in the way over the last two years. Um, he has started the season personally pretty well, but once again, GWS off to a very, very slow start, losing to the Swans in the first game and then Richmond round two. Um, they, they are definitely going to miss their opportunity to win a premiership. The way the AFL works and how they can stack teams and allow... Um, players be paid more money in the early years, um, gives them a better chance to perform and potentially win a premiership. Um, but as each year goes by for GWS, it's going to get harder and harder as some of these contracts come to an end uh, and they need to start recruiting new players. The one positive thing is Stephen Canelio is uh, saying that he's, he's in some of the best shape he's been in for a couple of years. Yeah, he's saying that, and uh, but he's got to put a whole season together. He hasn't done that yet for GWS. And, you know, uh, people were up in arms when we paid Buddy... Uh, Buddy Franklin, $10 million over 10 years, but Buddy has performed well over that whole period of that contract. Um, Stephen's got a lot of work to do to, um, I suppose, to prove that he's worth $7 million. Yeah, it was ridiculous what Mitch Barnett did in, in the rugby league, the Knights player with that elbow. He's copped six weeks. I think it's probably on the lighter side. He, he's lucky he didn't cop more, and uh, he's got a bit of time to think about it. He's, he's done some things in the past which are out of line, and uh, I think he really needs to shape up. Otherwise, he's going to have some problems and bigger problems going forward. 
Yeah, well, six weeks it's 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 a it's a long time in footy, and uh, but it was just the the manner that it was done. I think it was it was off the ball. It was hard to, I suppose, argue that it was careless. He went for a four week careless um, plea, uh, and they gave him six. People thought he, he probably should get eight, but uh, so six weeks on the sideline—that's a big punishment. But he needs to clean up his act. You can't be running around leading with your elbows uh, on the on, on the football field. Yeah, well, the Queensland Rugby League team—they they dominated for so long with with Cameron Smith and Jonathan Thurston and Cooper Cronk and Billy Slater and these superstar players. Now, most of them are part of the coaching squad for Queensland, um, and uh, Smith and Thurston confirming that they're joining Billy Slater as assistants. You've got to really watch this. Now, I love to see Queensland scramble, I must say, as a New South Welshman. And mm. generally what happens when you come through a period of, of huge success like Queensland did you know, over the last sort of 15 years um, and they don't get instant, instant success and New South Wales have really turned around the last couple of years, they start to go back to the old guys um, and they're doing this from a coaching perspective. Slater will be the coach and then Smith and Thurston will come in and be assistant coaches. But it becomes more about the coaches and not the players themselves. Um, do they have a wealth of experience between those three? Yes, they do. Uh, are they the right guys to coach the Queensland team? Well, time will tell. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see Queensland scramble a little bit here. It's good to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great if they could play for Queensland if you're a Queensland supporter. <laughs> yeah, but right. uh, no, they've got to they've got to do the mentoring. So they're get their pretty spine young. Back, and, Timmy. Get their yeah, spine back. Pretty young and new at that. Now Trent Robinson won't coach the Sydney Roosters. He's got COVID in round four. They've got a big game up there against the Cowboys after last week's loss. And another comeback, Shane. I don't know if you predicted this one. Mick Fanning to make his professional surfing comeback at Bells. No, I didn't predict this one, Tim. And um, Mick Fanning, the three-time world champion, uh, retired. Uh, in 2018, so four years ago, he, he did come back briefly last year for, for uh, one a tournament, but he's been awarded a wild card at Bells, uh, which he's a four-time winner at Bells. And at 40 years of age, he says he's got some more um, good surfing in him. He said normally leading up to a big tournament, he would go full on in the gym and, and purely on fitness, but he's just been really working on his craft of surfing itself and his technique there so he can compete at this level. But, uh, yeah, a superstar of the sport. And um, I think he almost transcends um, surfing itself in this country, Mick Fanning. Yeah, absolutely. What a superstar. And we saw him helping out with the floods as well, didn't we, yes. Mick Fanning? Now, the world of golf, uh, there are some blokes, and, and we've all played with them, and we all know them, <laughs> that tell some porky pies. You know, you could be playing along the ocean and someone sprays out to the right. Oh, I found my ball and it's sitting on some sort of coral atoll just there on the top. <laughs> anyway, I understand that Donald Trump, from what I hear, uh, doesn't always uh, stick to uh, what might have happened on a golf course, and it looks like he's, um, yeah, been telling some yarns. Well, yeah, is, is it fake news or not, Tim? I think that's what mm. you're alluding to. Uh, Donald Trump is, I was going to call him Sir Donald Trump then, oh, Jesus, that's blasphemy. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, the 75-year-old, uh, said he, on the seventh hole, 181 yards at the Donald Trump uh, Invitational, he got a hole in one. So <laughs> people are calling it, calling it a porky pie. But he said he was playing with Ernie Earls, uh, Gene Saucers, uh, Ken Duke and um, Mike Goods at the time. So I haven't heard any of those guys come out and confirm it yet, but he's adamant that he did get a hole in one. What does the Shane Lee crystal ball say about Donald Trump? Because I know that your crystal ball can look forward. Yeah. It can also look back. Uh, do you reckon he might just have a little bit of cheating going on on the golf course? I dare say he has a shoe wedge in his bag there as well. <laughs> and I reckon he, he he got the 
probably someone to drive the other guys in the opposite direction and just plonk the ball in a hole, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> swimming swimming out into yeah, the middle if, of the if, lake. I found, yeah, I found it. it. It's hitting on the top of the, top of yeah. the alligator. Oh, mate. Well, I've been playing golf for the best part of 40-odd years and never had a hole in one. I've had a couple of close calls where it's hit the, hit the pin. But um, I played uh, a few weeks ago, and an 83-year-old player that I was playing with got a hole wow. in one. It's the first time I've ever seen it live. No, fantastic. And, Tim, nor I. I've, I've hit the pin twice. Uh, both times very hard I hit the pin. <laughs> so I was cl- definitely over-clubbing, as I normally do. Uh, it was funny, years ago, the boys were sitting in a in a bus and discussing this, um, the Australian cricket team discussing, because mm. quite a few keen golfers amongst that. Ricky Ponting was on the bus at the time. Glenn, Ma- Glenn Maxwell said he'd he'd actually had a hole-in-one, as did Aaron Finch and Ashton Agar. Um, and someone asked Ricky Ponting, who P- Ricky probably plays off scratch now, if he'd ever had a hole-in-one, and he replied with, yes, I've had seven. Mm. Unbelievable. Oh, uh, I've seen him play. And, and Ricky Ponting is not telling Porky Pies like Donald Trump is. But seven hole-in-ones, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's great golf. Him and Greg Blewett just out of their skin as golfers. They are brilliant. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. And a big thank you to our sponsors. Oh, making me thirsty. Making me thirsty, mate. The gluten-free beer, O'Brien Beer, Tim, the beer that loves your back. Absolutely. And, of course, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.